podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to Post Match Raw. Don't worry, Trev will be back, but his family decided to do something nice for his ho- uh, for his birthday, so I'm the, the substitute. We'll call me the DM for this week, and hopefully we fix that next week. <laughs> um, but we are here for the Chelsea game, which is contractually obligated to be a draw. But I will introduce my guests before we get into the game, and of course we have the originals. We have Dave. How are you doing, Dave? I'm good, mate. I'm good. I'm. Just glad that one's over. Yes, it was a bit of a weird game, that one. But as I say, we'll get into that. We also have the newly dubbed Harold. Harry, how are you doing, Harry? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, enjoying the rebrand, uh, similar to Dave. Um, I'd, I'd worked myself up before that game, actually, into a bit of a, a state, given sort of the, the stuff that's been going on with Liverpool and Chelsea over the past few days. So, yeah, I'm, I'm okay with the draw, I think. Yes, I was expecting a bit worse when... Uh, when uh, with the midfield and it was a bit open, but as I say, we'll yeah. uh, we'll get into the details. Mm. But um, as we usually do, we'll go into the starting 11s and whatnot. But if you, if you are new to this season, if you're a pro subscriber as well, uh, Raw will be live on Discord for this season. Um, this one is now live to a good amount of people on Discord. Hello, everyone. And if you are in the Discord, do feel free if you want to make comments or questions. If we have time, we'll obviously try to get to them. I have the Discord open in front of me, so feel free to put uh, put anything in the chat box there. But if you are a pro subscriber, do jump in the Discord. You can get more interactive with us here. But we'll get into the game. Um, Harry, I'll stick with you for the for the Liverpool team. Um, it was It's a strange one because... Well, we don't have a very key component of our midfield in the club. Mm. So it was always going to be a bit of a weird lineup. Um, but he decided to go with McAllister at the six rather than Jones. Uh, and then that obviously knock on effect is that Gakpo's in midfield, which means Jota joined Diaz and Salah up front. And it's the regular back four. Yeah. I mean, is that a bit of a surprise for you? But I mean, suppose Jones missed the last preseason game, didn't he, with what seemed to be a knock? So maybe that was. An issue there, or came into the thinking of Claw? Yeah, you can only imagine that was it. I, I, I wasn't going to be entirely surprised if if Gagpo was in the lineup, um, just because, as you mentioned, right, we have these deficiencies, clear holes in the squad, um, and you try and think about uh, how can we try and shore those up. We probably need the the tactically switched on players who are going to be able to do a bit more of the of the work that we need them to do in cutting off lanes and pressing well. So I wasn't surprised to see Gagpo. I think the way in which he actually lined up in the end probably was a bit of a surprise. Uh, really happy to see the new lads in immediately. You know, McAllister and uh, Sobeschlai, I think we'll come on to talk about. As the game unfolded, you could sort of see why uh, it's, a, it's a bit of a waste to have McAllister back in that role. Uh, yeah, I think he's, he's really going to be um, much more effective for us um, a, a bit further forward, despite how good he is at sort of obviously breaking the game up and the interceptions. But 
Front three, Jota from from preseason. I think we'd seen he'd been in in good form. Uh, seemed to be fitter than he's been for quite a while as well. So was was hoping to see you know more of that today and didn't didn't actually pan out that way. I don't think. But uh, Salah, you know, picks himself of course, and and Diaz. Yeah, I thought it made sense. You know, away from home, um, the, the 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 pace that he has, uh, sort of the the threat that he could pose. Um, wasn't wasn't too surprised. I mean, I, I, I was thinking whether or not we'd go with Nunez maybe from from the start, just because Diaz is a completely different kind of threat. I suppose if you do bring him off the bench, but yeah, not not too many arguments with that. The biggest argument is is what you mentioned, guy, right? The the very clear holes in the system that exist, um, and the frustration that we're we're entering another season. Um, making compromises rather than having everything we need, and you know, like playing a system that we're familiar with and uh, have all the parts for. So that was probably the biggest, biggest frustration. We always knew there was going to be a compromise. I'm I'm getting Twitter open in the background, and David Ornstein has the audacity to tweet about Ajax and Middlesbrough transfers. What is he doing? <laughs> uh, not the time or place. Um, Jesus. Anyway, back to the game, Dave. I mean. I'll, I'll I'll come at you for the Liverpool team and then we'll move into the Chelsea team. Um, the Liverpool team, I mean, in terms of the midfield, there's not loads of options, as I say, but we, we knew what we were coming in, into the game, into the season with, I should really word that as. Um, I mean, what what did you make of McAllister in there? It's obviously a position you, you've championed your whole time at AI. And he has played it a bit at Brighton, but the midfield makeup was much different at Brighton when he played there. But I thought he did quite well on the ball. Good off the ball of some time, but we did mm. see he's not a no. He's not, not an defensive. Actual. Yeah, yeah. He's not an actual in there, and he did he did well. He had, he he made that great challenge uh, in the dying moments as well, back in our box, and mm. he did his best. And he you know he he was busy, he was active, he he put his foot in when he could. He was very good on the ball. You can see the quality just rips off him on the ball, but. <sighs> It's it's blatantly obvious that there's major defensive issues in this team now. I think a lot of us were were quite shocked that he started with Gakpo in midfield with Alexis and Dominic and not Curtis. I can only assume it's because there were no other midfielders available, so he wanted to hold Curtis back in case somebody got injured. But I thought he should have started Curtis with Alexis and Dom, and I think that that balance would have been better. Because I thought Cody, while he looked good on the ball, at moments in the first half, he was basically a passenger for the whole time. And defensively, he's not there at all. I mean, Raheem Sterling spinning him in the box was very, very poor. And we know he's not... Cody needs five, six yards to get up to speed. He doesn't have that explosive burst over a short distance, which you're going to need more in midfield. Dominic and Alexis have that quick first step where they can get to the ball. And I, I did think the two new boys looked really, really good. And I thought they worked really well off the ball. I, I don't think it takes a lot to fix that midfield. I, th- I think you just pop, plop in a high-end defensive midfielder, move Alexis to the left, and all of a sudden it starts to make a lot more sense. Now then, there are other issues in the team. Andy Robertson, we'll talk about him. I-, I thought he was shocking today. Genuinely, I thought he was awful. Uh, Trent had some good moments. He also had a lot of moments where he looked like he'd been out in the piss last night. Yeah. But, you know, that's that's something that's going to need... That's the manager just needing to have a word with him. Like, you've just made him 
the vice captain. We need to see more effort. We need to see better from him. I thought the two boys in the middle of the defence were really good. Yeah, considering was, how much you have to do as well. Yeah, exactly. Because if you look at that team, there are three players who you'd really call defensive players. And one of them is Andy Roberts, who has been fairly stinking now for about 18 months. So we were taking a big risk. We went very attack-minded. And it almost paid off. It almost paid off because early doors, we were able to play through them. They were wide open. They they clearly hadn't planned to play a back three. Our team leaked quite early, like leaked very publicly quite early. Whether we put it out or not, I don't know. But some of the Chelsea people who, you know, get team news and that, they said that wasn't the team they were given, that Mudrick was expected to start, not the Sassy. So I do wonder if originally Chelsea had planned to go more of a 4-3-3 and then changed into that 3-5-2 type of thing that they did in the end. Yeah, I mean, let's look at their team a bit more deeply, Dave. I mean, three of the back you mentioned probably didn't expect that. I think someone's just put in our Discord chat that Trent himself was expecting a four at the back, so the whole team was. Um, it, it's strange, because obviously Cole Wells has been linked with moves away, seemingly set there. De Sassi's brand new. I don't even think he had a pre-season. Silver's obviously been there for years now. Um, new goalkeeper, new midfield partnership. Um, the wing-backs are the only thing that's really settled there, and they obviously got injured in the later parts of the game as well. So if it's weird because... A draw against Chelsea doesn't sound too bad, but when you put on paper how um, new and unsynchronised their team is, it, it almost seems like an opportunity missed if we just maybe got our summer a bit more right. Yeah, it is. Like, we, we haven't gotten our summer right. Now, there's multiple reasons for that, and obviously the summer's not yet over. There's still nearly three weeks left in the window, so we still have time. Look, anytime you go to Stamford Bridge and get a point, it's not a bad result. No matter what, it's never going to be a bad result when you go to one of the top teams and get a point. Especially when this is the first game of a new manager, the crowd are really into it. Like, it feels like there's been a bit of a cleanse at Chelsea this summer. Like, there's a new culture, a new approach, just in terms of the manager. He's a lot more positive than Thomas Tuchel is. He's a lot more charismatic than Graham Potter. And obviously... Frank Lampard is a PE teacher, so just having a real manager does help there. Chelsea have had two, three years of upheaval with the whole Roman thing and then what happened last season and, you know, Todd Bowley bringing the circus to town and all the rest. So it did just feel like they had a little bit about themselves today, a little bit of added enthusiasm, a little bit of added motivation trying to put on a show for the manager. These players aren't stupid. They know what's going on. They read Twitter as much as we do. They know that Chelsea are in trying to sign uh, Moises Caicedo. They know they've been linked with Lavia. They know they've been linked with Elise. They've been linked with Tyler Adams. And, you know, rumours are they're putting in a bid for Pele, but nobody tell them the truth on that one. Um, so they, they want to make an impression. And I thought, you know, and Conor Gallagher and... Carney Chukwemeka, two players that probably aren't going to be regular starters. I, I thought those two had a little bit about themselves today in terms mm-hmm. of, you know, a bit of bite. Um, Enzo grew into the game. But the disappointing thing for me 
is that that's a back three that hasn't played together before. Mm. And there were massive gaps between them early on. The first half, they were wide open. Those three hadn't a breeze. where the, None of them knew where the other two were. They were there was no communication. Caldwell was getting isolated. Dezassi was getting isolated. The wingbacks weren't getting back in to help. And we never took advantage of the fact that there was 20 yards either side of Thiago Silva. We made Thiago Silva look like 29-year-old Thiago Silva today rather than 39-year-old Thiago Silva. Mm. We made it so easy for him. We telegraphed everything into his area. We didn't put numbers in around him. We just made it really, really easy for him to look like he was still in his peak. And like, if you watch them week to week, he is a liability quite a bit if people put pace around him. And I thought which I thought that's what Klopp was aiming for when he put Jota through the middle, thinking this will exploit the lack of pace there. Because Caldwell's not the quickest either. But we never really went at them after that. After the Mo goal got disallowed. Before that, we were opening them up. But after the Mo goal got disallowed, we were I thought we were just quite flat for a long time. And it was really disappointing to see. And it, it, it began to highlight the flaw in our team, which is that lack of a defensive midfielder, that lack of a ball winner, that lack of real dynamism. Because, like, Dominic's quick, but he's not a dynamic ball winner. Alexis isn't the quickest player in the world. And Cody is undynamic, shall we say. Mm. And they were pinging the ball around in midfield, and we couldn't get close to them. And you that's where we were crying out for, you know, a Moises Caicedo or, or whoever, who could even just leave a little bit on one of them. A bunch of their players were leaving it on our lads today. We saw three of our three or four of our lads get left in heaps on the ground, and the referee was just letting it flow. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Yeah, I should probably say actually, with Trev's absence, I'll do the I can do the ref watch guy if you want. I thought it was a, a classic, classic performance from yes. uh, Anthony Taylor. Um, especially enjoyed the one where you saw Jurgen having sort of an existential <laughs> crisis <laughs> on the touchline. Yeah, yeah. and don't, I have, don't I have, look at me, but you're fucking prick. <laughs> yeah, and I, I have to say, I should just to get it out of the way early. Um, like booking players who have been fouled for asking for a card is the most English refereeing innovation yeah. I could possibly have imagined. I sort of understand it, but it feels so school teacher. It's 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 amazing. It really well, you is know amazing. what else gets me, Harry? He booked Trent for time wasting. But every oh, yeah, time yeah. they had a free kick, Reese James was taking 45, 50 seconds off the clock. Mm. Well, the, the highlight for me with Anthony Taylor, there was two today. We are breaking on the edge of our box, from the edge of our box on a counter, and oh, we've got yeah. numbers going out. And he doesn't get out of the way and the ball hits him. 
And then he impedes Dominic trying to get back round to the ball. Yep. And he lets the play go on. He, he was the, the best defensive off. midfielder on the pitch. Literally, the... <laughs> he was their defensive midfielder in that moment. And the second one was, a little bit later on, Darwin had come on. Darwin gets wins the ball back on the edge of their box. I think it's De Sassi, kicks right through him. Like, kicks Darwin and then makes contact with the ball. And he just points at the ball as if to say, oh, he got the ball, play on. He got the ball, fair enough. He kicked through the player to get it. I thought Mourinho was right about this fella. Mourinho was right about this fella. And they referred to it on the the commentary on NBC mm. as the, the, the horrendous moment he suffered when Jose Mourinho went chasing him in the, <laughs> in the car park. But Mourinho was right. Mourinho was right. He's a shit referee. He, he always has been, and we'll get into the big decisions of the game, but suffice to say, all of them went against us. All of the, them. The scary thing is he's the premium referee. He's the chosen yeah. one in England now that well, Michael always yeah. falling off a cliff anyway, so it doesn't really, doesn't really matter in that terms of the argument, but he's the one championed by the league. It's a bit, it's just weird. But, I mean, you mentioned it. I mean, we had a positive start to the game, but seeing as we're on the referee, Harry, I yeah. think it's the fourth minute Chukwemeka, Chuk- Chuck Wemmicker, can't say his name. <laughs> High foot. I mean, is Sadio Mane and Manny from about 15 years, 20 years ago, the only two yeah. players in history have been sent off for a high boot? Yeah, no, I think it's, I mean, I think, uh, well, that chest height, wasn't it? Um, and I think it's, a, it's an instant yellow card. I mean, I don't, I don't actually know what the rules are now as to sort of like what's required for it to be mm. a red. I imagine if it was anywhere near his head um, and there was contact with his head, obviously that's a straight, a straight his boot red. Still, his boot, it, Ibu, look, Ibu is 6'4". He's huge, yeah. <laughs> if it's a normal-sized yeah. human being, he's decapitated him. Uh, oh, 100%. Yeah, if that's it's... Trent or Robowitz, it's a foot right in their face. There's, yeah. there's no question that's a straight red card. Oh yeah, and that definitely... is dangerous play anywhere on the pitch. That is a red card, yeah. and there's definitely wrestling fans listening to this as well. So I mean, like, yes, it, 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 it looked like a test big boot, but it was straight in the face. But basically. a thing of beauty, yeah. test big yeah, boot. Yeah, he's the best <laughs> in the business. But um, yeah, no, the Ibu. I mean, I was, I was quite impressed by Ibu just shook it off to be honest, yeah, uh, and got on with it. But yeah, no, it's, it's an immediate yellow card, and. Um, I mean, yeah, could have maybe tried to exploit that a little bit, but didn't really do so. Well, yeah, we may, we may need to learn the dark arts a bit more, but we'll come on to the uh, Enzo Fernandez situation a bit later on. <laughs> but, I mean, Dave, I mean, you, you seem to think it's a red card there. I'd probably agree with you. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, it's just dangerous. No, it, it, it's, it, it can't be about, it cannot be about Ibu's height. It has to be about where does he catch him? How high is that foot? Mm. Ibu is six foot three, six foot four, and it catches him high on the chest. It's not like it gets him in the stomach. It gets him high on the chest, like almost just below his collarbone type of area. I'm sorry, if that is someone who is four inches shorter, it's a foot straight in the face. And it's not like he's just stretched for it. He has jumped into the air like that. It's more that is dangerous context, play. Isn't it? Like first game of the season, oh, I'm not going to give a red for that. You know, that's it's, exactly it's, what it was. It's that kind of stuff. Fifteen, however many minutes in, I'm not going to send him off. It's too early because they didn't even do a VAR replay of it. VAR didn't seem to check that at all. Yeah, it was strange. Even the commentary just moved moved, moved straight on from it. That was um, slightly strange. 
yeah, as Nigel says in the chat, yellow was wasn't another wasn't a Liverpool play. <laughs> it's just <laughs> yeah, but it's really strange. I don't want to harp on about the referee, but Anthony Taylor is meant to hate Chelsea. Are we really that hated? Is he is Taylor one of the Manchester lot? He is. Isn't he? he is. It's, it's great to Manchester, isn't he? If, if if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, I, I believe. But um, yeah, not to suggest that's in any way uh, a factor here, guy. We should yeah, that's he's yeah. professional. I'm sure we all saw the article from. Um, oh my god, what's his name? What's his name? Who does he work for? Who? Paul Tompkins. Oh, oh yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the Tompkins article. Jesus, lost my mind there. Uh, <laughs> but no, we, we'll, we've got ref watch out the way at least. But yeah. Jesus, we'll come back to it with the headbutt incident or the forehead to forehead incident anyway. Um, but Harry, I'll stick with you. I mean, we mm. do start the game well, and, and my early notes are we can press again. I mean, regardless of the readiness for this season in terms of having a defensive midfielder and defensive options, um, et cetera, we have injected energy back into the team because uh, I think it was never on commentary. If you had the sky coverage, he it was. Yeah, um, I think he used the word rigid or something like that. And I was like, did he not watch us last season? We were so easy to play through, and we still were, but in a different sense today. But we had energy in our front footedness. Maybe we lacked it in terms of dropping off and actually doing the defensiveness of positioning ourselves, etc. But in terms of aggressiveness, aggressiveness in the team in the midfield and the attacking line, I thought for the first 30, well, till the disallowed goal, that was the best part of our game. It was the aggressiveness in the, in the press that was sorely lacking all of last season. Yeah, no, I thought I thought it was better for sure. I think um, you could see the influence that Shabashlai and uh, and McAllister were having. I think you you can also see why we want them to be operating in that side of the pitch. Really, I think they can um, double up. There was some better group pressing. That I'm sure um, the under pressure guys will will notice um, in in terms of, sort of how we approached it. Thought certainly to, as the game went on, the pressing got worse um, in some in some ways, but. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I thought it was good. Um, and I think you can see just having, uh, fully fit cogs in those positions and, and, and people for, for whom those roles are a bit more natural. Yes, I know McAllister, um, in the sixes isn't necessarily natural for him, but when he found himself in the areas that we're hoping he's going to be playing in more for us this season, it looked very comfortable. You could see sort of the combative nature for him. He's, he's winning these interceptions and his ability on the ball as well, which of course was really, um, highlighted on a couple of, um, Occasions also for the goal as well. Uh, having somebody with that eye for a pass who can like, also get the pass off fairly quickly. I thought. I mean, I thought he was caught a couple of times today. And he's probably still getting up to speed, but uh, yeah, more often than not, getting the pass away quickly. And Sobeschlei just looks so much more comfortable in that role in the right in the right side of the channel, making the runs. Um, you know, obviously saw him glide through uh, their defense pretty early on. Uh, looks so much more comfortable in that role than we ever saw, sort of with Henderson, who was sort of shoehorned into it a little bit. Uh, so that's, that's really encouraging. And I, I hope his confidence builds as the season goes on, because there are a few times today where I was, I was, I was hoping he'd, he'd, he'd be more, more cocky than he turned out to be, actually, in terms of actually taking some shots on and mm. backing himself a little bit more. But that's completely to be understood, right? Your first, your first, you know, proper game. Uh, in a, in a Liverpool shirt against good quality opposition, I, I understand them taking it a bit, a bit more safe. But no, I thought early on really encouraging and sort of what we were expecting. Right, the, this side is good in attack, can cut through you, especially when there's holes. Which is a little bit disappointed by 
by the final ball. Uh, and but I, but I thought they were struggling to cope with the pressings and misplaced passes. They looked nervy, and you were just hoping we could capitalize on those moments. You know, whilst, whilst they looked fragile, so uh, I probably go up to the bit where Salah you know, had that effort off the bar with his right foot. That was, it was yeah. beautiful. But I thought we were really, um, like, really threatening at that stage. Yeah, David. I mean, it, it really was a positive start from us. I mean, um, five and the five, fifth minute, Dominic skins a few lads, and then Jota gets in the way. That's probably a story we'll come back to. Um, Ibu Megs, I can't remember the attacker. Ibu Megs, someone which was just fun. Um, Kanata gets a block on a shot. Um, Gakpo on the counter. Um, that's when Mo hits the bar. Um, and I'll pause there because the next bit's about Robbo getting kind of exploited down the left, which I think we do need to talk about a bit. But we did start the game well, Dave. And let, let's focus on Sabozlai. Um, you obviously loved him from from Leipzig. I've well, I don't watch the Bundesliga, so the preseason and this is the first I've experienced him. And considering it's a role that I didn't know he could do in terms of right centre mid, which had a lot more defensive responsibility mm. than you'd probably expect. I thought he looked pretty damn impressive in that fact because when we bought him, I thought everyone would probably expect him to play as that right number 10 in the free box free type thing. But this was much more of an orthodox midfielder role and I thought he was really excellent in it, to be fair. Yeah, he's he's capable of playing anywhere you want him to, really. I mean, he's been on the radar since he was at Salzburg when he kind of, he'd been at Leffering and, and played there a little bit, came back to Salzburg like a uh, red bull had snapped him up really early and brought him into their system. And he was the, him and Haaland were the two stars of that Salzburg team. And somehow mm. we ended up buying Minamino. Um, <laughs> and, I, and I like hockey, but Jesus Christ, yeah. like what was, what was going on there? Um, no, look, he, he's got immense amounts of quality on the ball and he put in more defensive midfield work today than the fella he replaces put in in the last three years. So, you know, he can do both sides of it. We saw the dribbling ability. We saw some clever passing. We didn't get to see him shoot, which was disappointing. Was hoping I he... should have at the end. Yeah, should have. Should have. It sat up lovely. I, I was hoping he was just going to unleash it, but he tried to play and played into Darwin. He just got the angle of it wrong. But everything about him is, is outstanding. You know, his set pieces were good. But the work rate is is what's hugely underrated here. And mm-hmm. I mean, people people seem to think he's gonna come in and be this, you know, shrinking violet. The guy's six one and he's he's a eunuch, like he's not backing down from anybody. He's not afraid to put his foot in. He's not af- afraid to get physical in the game. But he has this amazing ability with the ball at his feet. And like you said, he he slaloms through their defense, and for some reason. Jota takes the ball off him. And if Jota had just gotten out of the way, Dominic was faking that shot to go past that last defender. And then he had an open shot on goal. And and for some reason, Jota had just gotten his way and made a horrible connection with the ball. Um, so it is what it is. It, that that's that should have been that should have been a big opportunity for us. It didn't work out. But you know, we, we did carry on playing well from there. Yeah, we did. We did. I'll, I'll delay talking about Robbo because it does lead on to the goal, to be fair. Um, and Dave, I'll stick with you. I mean, I think it's Ebu who works it back to McAllister after a Chelsea attack. It's a, it's a nice pass from McAllister to Moore, but what Moore does with the ball in passing to Diaz is just pornographic. 
it's a filthy pass and it, mm. Colwell's just all over the place. Sanchez has no chance and best right back in the world, Reese James, just can't be asked defending. Yeah. yeah, I mean, by by this stage, we've already, we've missed one big chance, haven't we, where Diaz played in Cody. Hadn't that come before that? Where uh, Diaz skinned James on the wing, played in Cody, and looked like he was going to shoot. And he squared it to Mo, but he played yes, it behind yes, that him. Was 11, yeah. That was 11th minute. Yeah, yeah Mo hits the crossbar. So, like, we've already seen Reese James is struggling a little bit defensively here. And he just doesn't bother in this case. He's absolutely nowhere to be seen. If that's Trent, he's getting absolutely hung, drawn, and quartered on Sky as we speak. But it's a lovely goal. I mean, it's a really, really well-worked goal. And we'd already showed the flaws in that defence. And I think Mo had realised Colwell didn't want any part of Mo 1v1. If Mo was getting the ball and running at Colwell, Levi was going to be backpedalling. And... Therefore, it was on Jota and Diaz and Gakbo breaking from midfield to get themselves in and around the box because Mo was going to become as much a creator as a goal scorer in that scenario. And that's exactly what he does here. It's a sensational ball. Like, it is absolutely outrageous, but it's not a surprise. Not a surprise at all. How many, how many times have we seen Mo play these incredible passes, generally to Sadio or, or Bobby over the years? And... um it's a great finish. It's a really, really great finish. Yeah, Harry, and I think that that was kind of what we were talking about earlier in terms of the on-ball from the midfield, at least. And it, some maybe we saw it in the second half, it got a bit stodgy at times, but when, when we were on and we were getting the ball into McAllister quick, he, he could spring these lads, and in this case it sprung more, who then fervently sprung Diaz, and it was a really nice pass, and it was a good finish as well. Oh yeah, and it's a lovely run, good finish. I mean, yeah, always love diving finishes just to make make sure that the ball goes in the back of the net. Uh, I think we, we've seen in preseason, right, Salah, with the number of assists he racked up. That I think in this system, uh, at times with the new attacking options that we've got, he is going to become even more influential uh, creatively than he's been been already. And I, I did enjoy. I mean, I, like the, a brief bit of the commentary that I actually enjoyed. All that Peter Drury was was good on Sky Sports, um, which is obviously a refreshing change. Uh, but um, never Any, anyone but Tyler was yeah. just fantastic. He was yeah. no, he was good. He was good. There, yeah. there were a couple of nice uh, pre-rehearsed um, lines in there about uh, walking through the storm and heads up. It was it was it was, it was some nice work from him. But uh, Neville and and Carragher, I, th- I think we're aware Carragher over uh, regularly sort of overcompensates a little bit to, to detract from the fact that he's obviously um, you know, a Liverpool player. And uh, Neville, yeah, I think we I think we know <laughs> we know Neville's influence. But that was a moment where they did talk about. You know, Ma- you know, Mane's left, Firmino's left, uh, but Salah's still there and he's still performing uh, at, at the same high level that he, you know, he always has been. Really, he's, he's obviously a world class talent uh, and probably the best goal scorer in the league as well. Now that, that um, what's his name has, has uh, departed to to Bayern Munich, um, so yeah, great goal and the kind of goal I hope we see more of this season. Uh, and happy for Diaz that he you know, he gets that goal nice and early as well, just so he can get. Yeah, get it off his back and then just focus on being more productive this season. Yeah, hopefully. I think that was the not a criticism, but the only point of development mm. for Diaz was getting the numbers that Mane used to. Exactly. And it, it, it it's a really nice start to uh, to that in, in that respect. Um 
I mean, Chelsea have a couple moments here. I think my mm. next notes after the um, after the goal. Well, my next one is look at the fucking press lads, but we just did that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Jackson dives, Chilwell dives. I think Jackson gets a free kick for his. Um, Jackson does well. Mm. Um, I mean, Harry. I was going to mention it before the goal, um, and I think the play I just mentioned was down Trent's side. To be fair, but I think the story from mainly the first half because Reese James was good going forward. It was good going for most of the game, but that left side, and I think mm-hmm. it'd be naive to blame one person on it because the, the whole system was failing on that side. Diaz wasn't really tracking James, Gakpo wasn't coming across, and Robertson, bless him, he was just going to the wrong man every time. Um, now, th- I think this is obviously a knock-on effect of not having the midfield settled properly, but Harry, yeah. I mean, Robertson is not doing great stuff to... Uh, dispel some of the doubts some people have had about him in in recent times. Yeah, I think it's it's very, very clear. And I think you can look at the reaction after the game and everyone's largely saying the same thing and that you know, we knew going into the game these are the areas of weakness. I think we saw Bayern Munich especially, I thought, um, in the preseason, exploit those areas, exploit those weaknesses because they are they're pretty obvious. They're sort of top quality sides and yeah, Robertson like continually getting dragged out, uh, pulling the entire defense across, and then also leaving us vulnerable to the switch. You know, in terms of that uh, the cross to Trent's side, where he obviously pulled in, and uh, it was leaving Chilwell in, in, in quite a bit of space as well. Uh, didn't really make the most of some of the chances he had there, but Sterling's you know popping up in nice pockets. You know, good combination play, I thought with with Reese James, but. Yeah, it's just, it's just not comfortable for him. We know this. And it's an interesting debate, I think, because, you know, we've gone through an entire preseason now and obviously the end of last season playing in this system. It gets the best out of certain players and it potentially makes us a ferocious force, even more ferocious from an attacking sense if we get the right parts to add a bit more balance to it. But I think even if we do get these parts and you get a top quality defensive midfielder, you get a great uh, left-handed centre-back. I think regardless of that, it's 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 going to be a really intense system to play for some of these defenders at times. Uh, I think Kanate, he, he has the physical qualities that enable him to play that role on the right. But it's yeah. really, yeah, it's quite tough for him to do it. And uh, I, yeah, I saw some interesting reactions coming out of that. Some people telling me that, uh, I, mean, I think I made a point that we needed a left-sided centre-back and I got some responses saying, or Kanate was dreadful as well. We managed to get a right side centre back, so I'm not sure. What? Not sure what game they watched, but Kanate was class. It's a tightrope for him, though. I do. I do understand what they're saying in terms mm-hmm. of it's really, really making it a tightrope for him. He's excellent, so he gets away with it most of the time. But uh, it's. It, I do wonder. You know, it, uh, would we be better off just getting a couple of players in and going back to the four three three or? Like it, it doesn't seem like, it doesn't seem like that's uh, going to be the way now, you know. Um, it seems like we are going to stick with the system for a little bit of time, and if that's the case, then yeah, giving the defenders the best possible chance to do their job without it being super intense every game. And again, this is a you know a better quality side we face today. Uh, yeah, we're going to need to going to need to get those missing puzzle pieces because otherwise it's. It's it's too much for them, uh, and uh, I think Robertson. I don't see him adapting to this role. I'd rather we retained him and used him for what he's good at. And I, I just don't think he's gonna. He's not a left sided centre back. It's, you know, that's the thing not is, fault, we, we is didn't we didn't play the, the three box three for large portions of the game. Yeah, we sat in the back four for over half the game, and Andy Robertson was still, still more. Yeah, still did it. So the yeah. issue, and, and last season we only played the three box three for ten games. 
I'm mm. tired of hearing people say, oh, it's just the system that doesn't suit him. He hasn't been good in 18 months. Since the turn of the year in the 21-22 season, Andy Robertson has not been good. It has nothing to do with the system. What are the biggest things about it? Is, is, is it the rushing out of position? That's the, I mean, I'm, I'm trying Aimlessly to ball chasing. But the thing yeah. is, that's the type of thing that made him a very good defensive left back. That aggression, that anticipation, and that, I don't know whether it's like dog-like mentality of just going and seeing the thing that you want to do and getting it. The problem is he looks slower. Like he looks noticeably slower now. Mm. He second guesses as well. A hundred percent. His decision-making is poor. He's not as quick as he was. He's not nearly as aggressive as he was. Like we're in a back four today. Raheem Sterling picks the ball up and Andy Robertson is 15 yards from him. Mm. And they're building down that side. This is not on a switch where he's had to cover in and jump back out. Andy Robertson is standing way off Raheem Sterling and letting him get ahead of speed. And by doing that, he's already on the back pedal, which makes it so much easier for Reese James to wrap around him. And that was our biggest problem. Robertson mm-hmm. standing off and then getting beat 1v1. And people keep saying, oh, well, Cody Gakbo wasn't helping enough. Cody Gakbo not knowing how to play that position has no relevance in Andy Robertson getting beaten in 1v1 situations, not being close enough to his man or been poor on the ball, which he was again today. Like at some point we just have to focus on what the actual issue is. And the issue is that Andy Robertson has declined physically in terms of decision-making he just has declined. It's as simple as that. And maybe if he only has to play one game a week, because he's played a shitload of football over the last six years. Mm-hmm. So it's not on him. It's None of this is on Andy Roberts. He has been run into the ground. We didn't have real cover from for years. Years we've no real cover. Then we get Costas and Klopp. Still, still overplayed. It <laughs> just keeps overplaying anyway. Like Costas comes in, does well. He's straight out. Costas comes in doesn't do well, and Robbo's on in the 60th 60th minute. So even in the games he's meant to be getting a rest, Klopp has him in playing. So, like, this is an Andy Robertson issue. It's not a shape or system issue. It's an Andy Robertson issue. And the other factor as well is, like Harry said, there's just there's things he does in this shape when we do play the, the three that are just mental. Like, they're absolutely mental. Like, in the last preseason game that Robbo played in, his heat map looked like the heat map of a winger, not of a, of a centre-back. And people were trying to make the excuse of, well, that's what Klopp's asking him to do. No, it isn't. Because if it was, why does Costa Simicus play the role completely different to him? It's the same excuse people made for years for Al Etifak's captain. Oh, well, Klopp tells him to play that role that way. So Klopp used to tell him to play the defensive midfield role one way, but then Emre, Ginny, and Fab all played it a completely different way. They all played it as one, and he played it a totally different way. Same thing, the right side of midfield. This excuse of, well, that's what Klopp tells him to do, it's bullshit. It's the same thing with Robertson now. Klopp is not telling Andy Robertson to abandon ship and go herring forward all the time. And you know how I know he's not? 
Because on two different occasions, Klopp has publicly said, Robbo needs to learn when to go and when to not go. So he's not doing this because he's been told to. He's doing it because beneath the quality, and Guy, you're not going to like this, beneath the quality of Andy Robertson, there's just a hint of Albie Moreno there. A world-class player. Just a hint of a brainless ball chaser who wants to chase a car down the road, has no idea what he'll do if he catch up, catches up, but he's going to fucking chase it anyway. And unfortunately, there's just that little hint of that with Robble. And with the quality now decreasing for a multitude of reasons, physical, age, whatever, that is now becoming a little bit more prevalent. And frankly, if Albie Moreno had thrown in the performance that Robbo did today, Jamie Carragher would be doing an hour on it on Monday because that's what Jamie Carragher would do. If that, was, if that wasn't, you know, one of the disciples, he'd be getting absolutely slated right now. And this entire podcast would be making excuses, slagging off Joe, the left side apart from him as well. Uh, but anyway, yeah, Robbo's a bit of an issue. We'll see how it develops. And hopefully if we settle into a system or something, it can help somewhat. But yeah, I think this issue has been going on quite a while now. Um, and for the first game of the season, it's not the best look, but hopefully it improves as the team settles in. Um, we'll get back into the game. Um Harry, I mentioned they, they get a couple dives and referee, yada, yada, yada. We have a break. Um, I think Diaz has a nice run. That's when more shots get blocked. I think it's by Silva on the edge of the, uh, on the um, basically on the line. Um, and then it's the disallowed goal time, Harry. Um, it's really nice play from us. Salah goes a smidge early. Now, this probably was offside, and I'm not saying it's a wrong decision. But did they draw the line of the wrong player? It looked like that to me. I, I, to be honest, I, I couldn't tell you. I mean, <laughs> I think at the time I was just I was swearing. I was swearing <laughs> uh, because, yeah, I, I think as Dave has mentioned there, given how unbalanced we currently are, we sort of rely on these little waves of momentum. I, I, I genuinely think if we'd scored that goal, we we then get a third and and their heads are all over the place. Uh, so it's really frustrating that obviously it didn't happen. The, the, the tightest of margins, I think it probably is just just off, uh, which is a real shame um, because I think it's otherwise a really nice move like you're talking about. And it's uh, you know, Salah getting, the, getting his man 1v1 and yeah, lovely, lovely finish. And... It keeps his record alive, right? In terms of the opening, uh, the opening day scoring. So it's obviously frustrating for him as well. I think he was clearly very, very peeved later on. We'll come on to talk about that for sure when he came, when he was, uh, when he was hooked. But, uh, yeah, it's another nice move. And I think, you know, Colwell uh, grew into the game, but I think he did struggle in that first half in period. So. Uh, frustrating that we didn't get a chance to really take full advantage of it and uh, and get Mo his opening day uh, opening day goal get get me fantasy league points. Yeah, that's the killer, isn't it? That is the killer. He was my difference maker, and he only got an <laughs> assist. Bastard. Um, yeah, Dave. I mean, you had the NBC coverage, and did it on the Sky one? I'm not. I'm just it might be just me being a, a mad Liverpool fan, but it did look like they drew it off. Um, the defender who was closer to uh, Moore rather than the one I think it was Desassi. Further away, yeah, yeah. Well, mine it's it just seemed one hundred percent. Yeah, they they did. They they drew it when when they showed when they were showing the picture. 
they cut out the other defenders. They only showed Colwell yeah. as they drew the lines. They didn't, I don't think they even considered the Sassy. The commentator said, oh, is the Sassy not further back? And then they cut the picture again. <laughs> so they, they put the lines up. The commentator said, oh, the Sassy looks deeper there. And then they cut it back to just Mo and uh, and Colwell. And I was also curious as to what part of Mo they drew the line off. Because based on the line they drew, it looked like he was about a yard offside. And yeah. that clearly wasn't the case. If anything, it was a matter of inches. But again, I, I do think they drew it off the wrong defender. Mm. But this is this is just part of what was a very questionable performance by that group of officials today. Yes, old Manchester born and bred, gentlemen. Um, yeah, it wasn't great, um, but it was a nice move. Um, Trent got in a nice position, played a nice pass, and more basically just sat Sanchez down. Um, anyway, oh, the next one, we get to go back to the referees. Dave, um, the Enzo, Enzo Fernandez situation. Mm. I mean, firstly, it's a yellow card for the foul because he sends Jota flying on his yeah. ass. And then, I mean, if Jota dives, basically, and scream and starts crying, it, that could be a headbutt in football world. Yeah. Um, the the foul by Enzo is a free, and it should have been a yellow card. And then Jota obviously says something to him. I don't speak Portuguese, so I have no idea what it was. Um, Enzo steps towards him. And Enzo definitely flicks his forehead at him. Definitely. And what makes it worse is that Anthony Oliver, not Anthony Oliver, um, Anthony Taylor. You just is, combined a super just, shit just referee. Super <laughs> shit. I've created the world's worst <laughs> super referee. Uh, what makes it worse is that he's he stood right by Jota. Like he stood right there. There's no way he doesn't see that out of the corner of his eye. And again, there doesn't seem to be any VAR replay of it. Mm. And he just gives both of them a yellow card. So Diogo Jota got booked for getting kicked up in the air and then complaining that's about it. Up to. <laughs> Literally, that's he, he got he got kicked and then someone flicked a forward at him. And he got he got booked for that. And how that's right, I've no idea. Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others. On EPL Index, we don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa, he does Anfield Index. He presents a tad predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah, yeah, it's just the standard. If you don't know what's going on, you book both. It's just bad refereeing. And there's no excuse for that, as you say, he's right next to it. Um, but Dave, I'll stick with you for, for their goal, which is on the 36th minute. Um, we just couldn't get the corner clear. 
like it becomes a scramble in the box and maybe Trent and Van Dyke should do a bit better, but then the key issue is we just never got the ball clear of the box at all. Um we just yeah, I mean this is an issue we had last season as well, is not clearing our lines, not defending aggressively enough on, on set pieces. Dominic wins the header and it feels like our lads kind of see the the, the header go clear and think, all right, well, we're, we're away now, so we'll just run out back into, you know, normal defensive line. And none of our players realise where the ball is going. So I think it is a Gallagher drops to. And he just I heads think it, so, yeah. and he just heads it back in, and our players are ambling out. I, the one I'd look at is Trent. To be honest, mm. I, like I think he's the one that can see this. He's not aware who's behind. So him. he's not aware who's behind him, and he's not he's not talking. He's not communicating to the others around him. He can see from Dominic's head the flight of the ball. He doesn't seem to make a shout to pressure the ball and doesn't seem aware of people just running by him in the other direction. And, it, like, it's it's a scuffy, shitty goal. Like, it's a really, really spawny goal. It kind of, I think it hits his, the inside of his calf and then hits Ali and dribbles over the yeah. line. It's just, it's a shit goal to concede. It's the type of goal we did concede a lot of last year. Mm-hmm. And it's a shame because, to that point, we'd been defending really well. Like some of it was a little bit frenetic, but we were defending really, really well. We were holding a defensive shape. The issue was our left back was all at sea, but the other three to that point had been doing well. And the midfield was doing a decent job at stopping them playing through the middle. So they were, they, they just went real simple. Get it wide, get it in the box, big switches from James to chill. Well, you know, sp- spread the pitch as wide as possible. And and put it in the box and hope for the best. That was their game plan, and then we just gift them a goal by just just that split second where everybody switches off, and the players who need to be talking don't don't open their mouths. Yeah, and Harry, I mean, our head does seem to go after the goal because we, let's be honest, got quite lucky. They score instantly on the um, restart of the game. Unfortunately, it's offside from uh, Chilwell. I think it was. Um, my note is basically what the fuck are we do? I noted nothing of the goal, just what the fuck are we do? Um, but no, it's Chilwell who scores the air offside goal, um, just as tight as the more one, and I suppose it evens up in that regard. But yeah, we our heads were, were gone after their goal. Yeah, you could start to see so like Fernandez getting more influence on the game, I think. I think. Uh, I think on uh, on Sky he got man the match, and I think that's probably right in terms of, sort of how he he grew yeah. and dictated the the game. And and in, in those moments you can just see the quality, right? I mean, it's, you do. I think I was watching with, with a couple of people, and they're like, "Oh, who's that?" Was, oh, yeah, that's the 120 million euro midfielder that they took from the World Cup winning team. So it's, it's, he's, a, he's a pedigree midfielder. He's going to have these moments. It's a nice little slip ball through. Uh, then you have the diatribe for about 20 minutes from the the commentary team about this suicidal high line that Liverpool play and it's uh, uh it's been wrong for 15 months completely ignoring the the context of the reasons why about it, two it, years it, prior <laughs> like, like why it might be wrong and of course the the fact that they play this high line uh, because they know they've got VAR and they back themselves most of the time to to get the calls which we which we did obviously always fun to see um sort of the Chelsea party uh ruined in that moment so that that was quite nice but yeah you're worried then and at that stage you're actually 
you're flipped from thinking it's a really positive start. You know, we're, we're cutting through them here uh, to, oh, we, we could use half time just to get in and uh, reassess things and uh, make sure that the balance is okay. Uh, remind a few people of their positioning. Um, and yeah, it was, wasn't the most comfortable because, uh, as we've all talked about, they started, they were fragile. Uh, we didn't take advantage of that and we allowed them to get back into the game. And uh, these are things that we've seen over the years. I think especially reminds me of Liverpool Chelsea games that, yeah, we've started dominantly. I think even the last one, I think, uh, was it, um, where the, the one that actually were goals in where Pulisic scored it, we were 2 0 up and it went to 2 2 as a game that we were really in control of. And then mm. because we didn't have the ability to control games on the ball, you lose, you lose control of. Uh, and it'd be quite nice to, to rectify that so we can get back into the place where, yeah, we score one goal. And you know, if we want to, we can just shut that up. You know, <laughs> that's, that's where we want to get to. But I think it might be a bit more, uh, heavy metal um, early on anyway, whilst we like uh, wait for these players to come in, but also like, find the right balance because it still feels like the the tactical instruction they're getting is not necessarily the best. But yeah, at that time, just wanted to get in for half time and make sure we didn't concede. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so we'll move on to the second half. Um, we do we start the second half well quite uh, again. Uh, we I think we catch Gallagher uh, Gallagher I should say he seemed to be the one we were really pressing the hardest but why well yeah the other the other midfielder was Enzo Fernandez he probably would press Gallagher um, leads to that Diaz shot it wasn't a cross that the commentator was saying it was a really shit shot um, Van Dijk then goes for his Celtic days worldie which I appreciated just narrowly wide wide um, now Dave um, fifty second minute. We nearly score off a corner. I thought it was just straight off Diaz and it just went a smidge wide. Go to the replays, comes off was it Jackson's hand or the Sassy's yeah, hand? Jackson's Jackson. Hand. Yeah, he just nice save by Jackson there, and then nothing happened. Look, the idea that just because his hands are in close to his body, this isn't a, a penalty is is bullshit for me. Um he he very clearly slaps at the ball. I don't know why his hands are where they are. It's the weirdest. He looked like a T-Rex with his really arms running. in like that. <laughs> doing it. Maybe maybe he thought he was Jordan Pickford. Who it knows? A, it was the Pickford impression. Doing, yeah, the, doing the Pickford. Um, but really and truly, like that is that is as blatant a penalty as I can imagine. Like he, he slaps at the ball and it deflects off and obviously goes wide. And I, I don't know how it's not given. I genuinely don't know how that's not given. There's a similar thing yesterday, Dave. I think it was the Brighton, the penalty that was given against Brighton. It's it's not exactly the same, but it's... The Lewis Dunk one. Yeah, it's the same in terms yeah. of the fact that it's, well, yeah, probably harsh, but that, these are the rules. But, but the Dunk one is, like, the Dunk one is much harsher because it hits Dunk's back arm as he's turned trying to block a cross. The cross goes behind him and hits mm. his arm. Dunk can't see the ball. No, of he course. doesn't know that his arm is in the way of the flight of the ball. He doesn't move his arm. Jackson sees the pole come at him and he slaps it. And then he tries to say, oh, it hit my chest, it hit my chest, which means he knew that he purposely handled the ball because otherwise he would have just said to the referee, oh, well, I had my hands in. But he's pointing at his chest saying, oh, it hit me in the chest. I didn't touch it with my hands. So he knows he's done it on purpose. I, I, it's just, it's a shambles. It's an absolutely shambolic decision. And it's the second big shambolic decision in the game. Now, the, the Enzo, you know, headbutt thing type, whatever, that's whatever. 
But it and the Carney Chukwemeka one, I'm sorry, they're the two most blatantly botched refereeing decisions that I've seen this weekend. And there's been a couple of shockers, but those are those are atrocious. And I'm sure we'll get excuses and bullshit on Monday and Tuesday about it, but that's a red card and a penalty. The, the Carney one's a red card. That's a penalty all day. And, of course, it, it, we don't get them. Yeah, I think the only one I can think is it the Everton one, the disallowed goal. I think that's the only other big egregious what I've seen, but two in one game, it's not it's not great. And we know Liverpool's issues with uh, Manchester based referees as well. It's not a great start to the season. We've not even had Paul fucking Taney yet. It's all downhill from here. Um Christ. Uh what's next? Chilwell has a nice shot, who cares? Uh Gallagher does a nice tackle on Moore, to be fair. Um, we could have got away there. Chelsea's basically just controlling the game from about the 60th minute till we make our subs. And Dave, I'll stick with you. I mean, the first set of subs, Gakpo and Jota off and Jones and Darwin on, I don't think anyone could disagree with that at that stage because Gakpo <clears throat> looked a bit lost in midfield and wasn't really influencing the game. And if anything, he was kind of getting in the way when we tried to break on attacks, especially in the first half when we were playing a bit better. And Jota was pressing well, but he was kind of killing attacks as well. Yeah, I mean, look, Jota has a lot of admirable qualities, uh, but technical ability is not one of them. Um, we, we saw twice in the first half he just butchered good attacking opportunities with heavy passes. Um, and he picked up that knock as well. Again, he gets yeah. booted. <laughs> and... It apparently it's fine. Like there was another one in the second half where the ball dropping and Luis Diaz was underneath it waiting for the ball to drop to him, and Reese James just bouldered into him and put him on the floor, and the ref just waves play on. Diaz, I think James, that was Jota as well. No, no, it was definitely Diaz. It was definitely oh, right. Diaz. Well, I think there was one with Jota. There was was one with Jota. I can't remember who was it. it Might have been James as well. But look, the referee just a shocker. But yeah. no, it was the right. These were the right subs. I mean, I would have made the change at half time. I would have brought mm-hmm. at least Cody, Jones on. Put Cody up front, brought Jones on, and and taken Jota off, mm-hmm. um, and and left Cody up front as the nine because we were making it so easy for for Silva by not putting anybody up against him. Jota kept dropping into strange areas. Probably by instruction, but who knows, really? And um, so I thought that change should have come at half time, but I wasn't surprised when he made those two changes. And I thought Curtis, when he came on, did a decent job at, at solidifying us in midfield and, and mm-hmm. giving us a bit more presence. Darwin was very much on the periphery of the game, but it was not his fault. We didn't give him any service. Like we gave him no service in the entire time he was on the pitch. Yeah, um, we'll talk about the next um, sub in a min because I think Elliot needs chatting about a little bit because he's been almost a forgotten man coming into this season. Um, Harry, the next couple bits then, I mean, Trent was just, we finally got our foot back on the ball and then Trent just sloppily gives the ball away and then didn't look too arsed about it, which is not great from your new vice captain. Um Ali makes a good save. My next note is Enzo Fernandez is good. I mean, as I say neutral fan, I despise Chelsea, but I'm not really asked about their players. 
I won't say excited because that means like I'd be happy to see him do well, but I'm in very interested to see how Enzo does this season as someone who didn't really watch him outside of the World Cup. Yeah, he's an exceptionally talented player, isn't he? I think it's, it's it's more about getting the balance right around him, not not asking him to do too much, uh, not playing him in the wrong position, um, and, and 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 getting him motivated as well. I think that's like all three things that were probably not not there uh, all the time last season, certainly under uh, Lampard, um, shall we say? But yeah, he's clearly very very talented. I wish he wasn't playing for for Chelsea uh, said that about quite a few players over the years, unfortunately, and he's capable of dictating games like this and you know, has these real moments of, of class. Uh, you, Dave was just talking about sort of Jota's technical ability there. We, we know what Jota's good at and can be a ruthless finisher at times. You know, all, te- all the technical ability in the world is Enzo and uh, he matches that flair with, with tenacity in the right moments as well. So uh, yeah, it's if if they get a six, hopefully they don't get the one that they're trying to get. Uh, he, he's he's going to be unlocked even more, and you imagine he becomes even more of an influential figure for them. Uh, he's at a great age as well, so yeah, it's it's always exciting to see you know, very talented players come to the Premier League and and do their stuff. Obviously, you hope they're doing it in in our red, uh, or at least for a team that's not going to be. Um, uh, a threat to us immediately, but yeah, he's clearly a very talented player and we could have done without him being there in the side, I think today, but you're right. So second half, I I thought Trent was very casual on that, on that chance, didn't sprint back as well, which again, it's it's the basic stuff you can do, you know, even though you know, you're not going to get there, but at least, at least sprint back, do the, you know, go through the motions just so the fans are happy. I mean, at times you've seen the players much less quality than him do that and endear themselves to to fans. So it's a bit weird to see him not not busting a gut, but they clearly have gigantic amounts of faith in Kanate and and Ali. And I think again, we probably won't talk about him too much, but again Ali today just does does the important things really well, makes them look incredibly simple. I thought he dealt uh, really well with a couple big one v ones, chances that weren't super super big chances, but he's there and he gives you that reassurance, which is which is always nice to nice to have, but you could see from the start of the second half it wasn't it wasn't going in the right direction. And again, you were just waiting. Really, you're looking at the clock, thinking we'll probably have to wait till sixty here before we make the changes that were are the obvious ones. And it was around, wasn't it, like sixty five, sixty six minutes when they finally got made? Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Um, I mean, Harry, I'll stick with you. I mean, mm. The second subs, um, sure. More comes off, which I think shocked a lot of people. Yeah. But he wasn't really getting in the game. Or, but let me rephrase. We weren't getting him in the game at all, or any mm. of our forwards at that stage. Um, so we bring on Dewark as just a bit of a wild card. He obviously had an impressive preseason, mm-hmm. maybe just a bit of explosiveness. Um, but the other one I want to talk about was Elliot coming on, which he came on... Um, in the, I think, right centre mid role, but he was a bit more attacking than what we were playing. Um, <clears throat> I thought Elliot came on and made probably the biggest impact of our subs. I think Jones showed it up, as Dave said earlier, but Elliot, he did just make an impact, which I think was always a criticism of Elliot. He was a nice player, but it wasn't an impactful one. So it was nice to see in the first game, he impacts the game. Mm. 
Yeah, I think I think my gripes with Elliot are, are like the, the, I, I don't believe he's a midfielder in a Klopp side, and I think that there's you know, there's, there's nothing he can do really about that in certain ways. But in terms of his talent or uh, yeah, on the ball, I think he is a player that at times can you know, can give you that ingenuity. He clearly got a bit of vision about it, a bit of creativity, uh, and, and can have these cameos where. Uh, hopefully, if we're not you know, relying on him for defensive work, you know, he, he can come on and he's 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 creative. You know, can c- c- combine with play as well, uh, see some passes, you know, like uh, um, execute them fairly well for runners. And we had obviously Darwin coming on as well. And so, yeah, it was it was, it was nice yeah, to see him have a, nice nice to see him have a uh, impressive cameo. I, I I do probably lean towards the side that I don't think we should see a lot of him this season um other than in sort of attacking cameos um if if we get things right in terms of the the recruitment that we're we're still doing but uh, again sort of nice to see him have the impact and it, it, it was very stale and flat up until that point so it was pretty noticeable that he did make an impact doke on the other hand i think only had about five or six touches um so yeah. sort he of slightly like 17 weird. he looked like a 17 year old he did look like a 17 year old <laughs> weirdly enough yeah and it's it's it's. I think on on the Salah sub. I think in in isolation, I have no problem with you subbing players who uh, it doesn't matter like necessarily that how long they've been in the club or whatever. Um, if they're not necessarily having the greatest game, and you think there's a genuinely better alternative, I'm fine with that sort of meritocracy. We haven't really seen it. Let's be fair. <laughs> uh, during Klopp's time at Liverpool, uh, there's a usual lot who stay on the pitch uh, regardless of how they're playing. And so that's why it was a little bit of a, a shock, really. I mean, this this is a match winner uh, for you. It doesn't matter if he's having a great game. It, 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 as long as he's there in moments, we know he can produce the quality. Uh, so it was just very weird, especially replacing him with a 17-year-old who's a bit overawed by everything. He clearly wasn't very happy about it. I think Klopp's came out afterwards and tried to diffuse it all and you talk about you know, of course you you wouldn't want a striker to be who's who's coming off to be happy in that in, in that moment and yeah you know, he can't he can't keep track of all of Salah's records so you know he's, he's sorry that he, he denied him the chance to get that one but I mean I, I I don't think it will be an issue. I'm just I'm just making the point that it's 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 a bit rich to see it done to Salah when I, it, it, it certainly wasn't done to plenty of other stalwarts um, in the past when they were having um, stinkers, and this guy's a match winner, right? So, uh, but he bit... wasn't having a stinker either. That's and he wasn't thing. having a stinker. Like, he either, was no. really good first half, and then we just stopped passing the ball. He was out of the could... game, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, we just couldn't wasn't get getting, the, wasn't ball. the ball. <laughs> but like, who would you, if you're going to get the ball and give a guy six touches in the last twenty minutes or however? You wanted to would be you rather have them be Salah or or Ben Doak? With respect exactly. to Ben Doak, and I've seen people say, "Oh, he deserved his chance." No, he didn't. No, he didn't. Nobody he, deserves anything at this level. He That's did if the we simple three, fact of it. If we were three nil up, he deserves. Yeah, it. <laughs> if it was three nil up, you'd be fine to give him ten, fifteen minutes. No one deserves anything at this level. This isn't school. This isn't under fourteens where you play all the kids equally. This is the highest level of competition in English football. That's what this is. And Mo Salah is a proven match winner. He's the best attacking player we have. He's the best attacking player in the league, undeniably now with Harry Kane out of the league. It's Salah and then a gap to everybody else. He's one of the greatest players in the history of the club. He's the reason people will say wrongly, of course, because we have him won the Europa League, but he's the reason people will say Jurgen Klopp has won the lot. Him, Ali, Verge, one or two others. They're the reason for that. 
And I thought that substitution today was poor. I thought it was really poor that he didn't even approach him as he came off to try and explain it to him. And he can wash it away all he wants, but Klopp is at a stinker today. He got his team selection wrong. He got his subs wrong. I agree with what you guys said. I thought Harvey did, did well when he came on. Chelsea were starting to flag in midfield and he was bright and he was energetic. So I thought he did okay. But I thought Klopp had a stinker today. He got tactically got his pants pulled down. They were they played a far more disciplined game than we did. They had mm. far clearer patterns of play. Their manager's in charge about eight, eight weeks. Ours is in charge eight years. And they looked like a team that knew what they were doing. And we looked like a gang of lads at times today who'd been thrown together. There was no patterns of play. There was no build-up. There was no urgency. There was no demands. So Jürgen didn't have a good year last year. He didn't have a good year in 2021. And maybe he was making a point to his boss who sat up in the stand of, I need money here. I need help now. But to me, that sub was a big mistake. You could have made it 10 minutes later. You could have given Doak the last 10 minutes, but 20 minutes against Chelsea, who clearly have defensive issues. You want Mo Salah on that pitch. You need Mo Salah on that pitch. Ben Doak, come on, barely touched the ball. What do you have, five, six touches? Mm -hmm. What do you do with them? Ran down a blind alley once and just gave it up simple the rest. So, yeah. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. And as you can't do, alluding to games are 100 minutes long now as well. So it could have been even longer for more to be on the pitch. Um, Dave, I'll stick with you for the end of the game. We'll try and get wrapped up. I don't want to go stupidly long. Um, we had those subs. So Bosley's now on the left wing. Uh, they make some more subs, bringing on 90 million pound lads, you know. Um, uh, another refereeing boo boo. Dom gets blown up for breathing near someone. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, Alexis, oh, the Alexis passed to Darwin, fucking hell. So that's probably the last big thing to, to talk about, but I'll go through the rest of my notes and we'll come back to that. Uh, Trent has one of the worst free kicks ever. He basically just passes it back to them. Um, 
Elliot's done well. Nunes tries a worldie, which takes a bit of a deflection. And then Chelsea, I was going to say steal the game, but if they won, it probably wouldn't have been a stealing. Um, but uh, yeah, Dave, the end of the game there from, from Dom's non-foul. It's not stealing if the other person hands it to you. And had they won that game, we could have had no complaints because we should have been 3-0 up before they even got woken up. Like we should have scored three times in that in that first half. Mo missed two really good opportunities because he had a poor first touch. The one where the ball was lobbed over to him and yes. we had a two V one situation mm-hmm. with Diaz on the other side, and he takes a decent first touch, but then it bounces off him mm-hmm. and DeSassi comes across and clears it. Any kind of decent first touch there, Mo either scores himself or squares it and Diaz scored. And then there was the one where it gets rolled across to Mo, simple enough shot, and he, he doesn't put any kind of purchase or power behind it. I think it hits Silva maybe, but it hits him low, and they're like Mo should be absolutely fucking torpedoing that into the net. Hit it as hard as you can and hope if it does take a deflection, it takes it in. So that should have been two. Then we score the third. Then we had a fourth. That what what should have been a fourth disallowed. Like we should have been running away with that game. But we didn't. We scored one of the chances, allowed them back into it, and and at times rolled over to have our belly tickled, which was was really poor and really dis- disappointing to see. There were a couple of players, Ibu, Verge, a couple of the boys in midfield, including the two subs that came on in there, Harvey and um, and Curtis, who who did put in a shift. But the two fullbacks, very very disappointed with those, disappointed with Cody. Very disappointed with Jota. I know Diaz scored, but he didn't have a particularly good game. Um, he let James I, off, I think. He did. Like he was, he was roasting right, Reese James. And why he didn't just start to hang in the space between James and Desassi, I don't know. But he kept getting too close to one or the other of them. They were leaving space for him to play into, and he just wasn't taking advantage of it. And, and part of it was that Jota kept dropping out to the left mm-hmm. and getting in the way. Cody was pushing on and getting in the way. It wasn't a smart performance from us at all today. It really wasn't a smart performance. But what I will say is this. There's a lot of positives to take today because we're clearly not the finished article and I know they're not either. But if you were to transplant in not even a great defensive midfielder, just a good one. Czech de Cure, Florentino Luis, someone like that. Doesn't have to be Caicedo, doesn't have to be Chuameni. Czech de Cure or Florentino Luis, players you could get for somewhere in that 60, 65, maybe pushing to 70 million pound range. They would transform that midfield because now you push Alexis back to where Cody was today. So that one signing hugely improves two positions. Two positions massively improved at one signing. I'd say five, but four positions, to be honest, Dave. I think he helps Robbo a lot more, and I think he gets well, ideas as well. Robbo is the second one who needs to be replaced. I'm yeah. sorry. He, I'm not going to have this drag on and on. Robbo is, is a weakness in this team, and he has been for a while now. And unless Virgil is superhuman pre-ACL Virgil, Robbo just can't we, we can't make up for the the errors in Robbo's game and, and he doesn't have the burst himself to make up for them. 
Mm. We need to be on the phone this week to Southampton for Lavia because we should still get him regardless mm-hmm. because he's a really, really talented player. And personally, personally, if Robbo's going to be in the team, you play a back four, you play Ducure and Lavia in front of them, you play Dominic and Alexis in front of them, and you play Mo and one other up front. Mm. And that's your go-to eleven. Because you've got to have that defensive base. You set, tell the fullbacks, right, get back to what you're used to doing. Get forward. And you sit those two boys in front of Virgil and Ibu, and you have that block of four. And you defend with those four. And you let the fullbacks go. you got Dom and Alexis. We'd be electric going forward. We wouldn't be as great defensively as you would like, but we'd be a lot better than what we saw today. But get on the phone to Southampton for Lavia to either Benfica or Crystal Palace for Luis or Decoure, and ideally to Sporting for uh, Goncalo and Ascio, because he could play as a traditional left-back in your back four, or if you move into that three-box two with Trent inverting, he's a, a really good fit on the left side of that. But we need to get busy now. Now, the other thing we should do is we should continue to fuck with Chelsea over Caicedo. It's now... Um, four minutes to eight, which means that we are now approaching 56 hours since Romano told the big lie that Caicedo had told us he only wanted Chelsea, which never happened, and started to create all this noise because, you know, Fabrizio is not a journalist. He's a social media, social media influencer. And that's what he does. He gets paid to send promotional tweets. And that was a promotional tweet, as was Lavia now for our Caicedo now follows Chelsea on Instagram, which he's done for six months. Um, as was what else did he say that was a big lie? Oh, the, the agreed personal terms, eight year contract that was agreed in, in May. So texting none of that Chelsea players to, to say oh, maybe join. Oh yeah, texting Chelsea players that was a lie. Uh, the secret scout, mm-hmm. also a social media influencer, not a journalist, mm-hmm. uh, pushed that one. Oh, and the other one, of course, was. Uh, Liverpool are, are I, I'm hearing Liverpool are ready to walk away <laughs> and, and you'll note that the response to that was every single Liverpool journalist immediately coming out and saying Liverpool are not walking away yeah. so all of that and the bid for Lavia all of that was noise to drive us away from the table on Caicedo mm. and we're 56 hours later from the start of this noise and thus far all they've done is make noise if our Melbourne. owners always fly over to say, nah, you can't buy it. Exactly. Our owners were not scheduled to be in England this weekend. The other thing is to consider here as well. There are a couple of they're journalists or bloggers who are Liverpool-based or Liverpool-related, you know, who are also pushing stories of bids in, agreements made, both of whom are being briefed by the agency representing the player, an agency which is owned by Manuel Sierra, who's the agent, who's causing all of this bullshit because he's getting his payoff from Chelsea. So there's an awful lot of noise, an awful lot of noise. But as yet, 56 hours into this, there is no bid on the table. There is no agreement. They have not yet bettered our offer. And it's very simple. It's very simple. We've made an offer. We've put forward a structure. What they need to do is match our structure and improve our offer. 
could be by 1 million, 2 million, 3 million, 4 million. That's it. This is a very simple deal to do. Very, very simple. And if they had the money available, this would have been done on Friday. But we're now here on Saturday, on on Sunday rather, Mm. and all we're hearing is Chelsea are close to an agreement. They're close. They had the money, Dave. They would have done it in June. (laughs) In June, they'd have had them for 75 million. In June, before Declan Rice left uh, West Ham for Arsenal, the asking price was 75 million. Mm. If they'd done it last week, see, Remember as well, they convinced the age, or they got the agent to convince the player to go on strike last week because they thought then they'd force it down to 85 and then we came in over the top. But they seem to be struggling. Now, I have no doubt at this point that they will get him unless we decide to rebid, which would be very, very funny. But I am game for that, Dave. I'm game for it entirely. Mm. I'm game for it entirely. Like, because if we know that they're, and you know what? Here's the thing as well. We could just up our bid, go by Lavia, go by Luis, go by Inacio, say to Brighton, look, we don't have the money for this, but we'll leave our bid in. And he can stay with you because fuck him and fuck his agent and fuck the fucking lotties. You said there was a deadline. The agent told us. The player was up for the move. And the player, by all accounts, is happy to join Liverpool. But the agent's getting a bigger bag from Chelsea, which is where this all came from. And I've known that he ends up there. As well. Yeah, I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Ah, like, what I happens if there's his ACL or his Achilles? Yeah. yeah. And now you're paying him 250 grand a week. For- is, I was chatting on uh, Twitter last night. I put that and said, and I, we could match the fee, we could match everything, but a nine-year deal is fucking ridiculous. We can't it's do that. stupid. Like, like and he said, it's not that common. We've just had Oxlade-Chamberlain and Abicare on the books yeah. for five, six years. Who've been exactly. Broken. But here's the thing as well, right? Todd Bowley thinks that, but Todd Bowley thinks this is still American sports. Yeah. So he thinks that by giving Enzo and Mudrick and Caicedo and all of these players, these really long contracts, that he's never going to have to renegotiate contract terms with them. So what that's going to lead to in two or three years when wages in general have gone up is a bunch of their players are going to turn around and go, well, hang on, we want more money here. Mm. And he's going to go, you've still got five years left in your contract. I'm not negotiating. And I guarantee it now that club is going to be an absolute shit show within three years because it's a circus. Now it's a zoo. Mm. He has no idea what he's doing. And I egg Bali, the games he's playing and the, and the way they're going about treating people is all going to come back from them. Yeah, Tyler, Tyler Adams, Adams stuff was disgusting. Tyler Adams, they agreed terms with Leeds. Leeds agreed to take the buyout clause in instalments mm. to help Chelsea out. The, Tyler Adams agreed personal terms. Everything was agreed. He went and had his medical. They leaked that he failed his medical. And I know they leaked it because I heard it, that, that he failed his medical. <laughs> then it was in the mail that he'd failed his medical and that he was going to be out for four more months. The truth is he's due back after the international break yeah. and another club that had interest in, in him when the, when his agent started calling around after Chelsea said, Oh yeah, by the way, we're not going to do this deal. When his agent started calling around the other concrete offer they had on the table said, no, he's failed his medical. We don't trust it. 
So they've cost him not one move, but two. And that type of thing will come back on you because agents talk. And the other thing to consider with agents here is Caicedo's agent, by every opinion, is a scumbag. Tony Mm. Evans has said he's heard it from people at Brighton. Graham Kelly has said that he knows someone that works for another agency who will not deal with this guy at all. So when we were organising podcasts as well, the Brighton lads we were trying to get on were saying the same. Yeah. And Slander and Fabio uh, yeah. Romano as well, which is funny. Well, yeah, he's, he's a bull. <laughs> so anyway, I, I've said my piece. Yeah. A Klopp today had a poor a poor afternoon, but it's the first game of the season. We've gotten a point. No harm, no foul. We need to be on the phone tonight, if possible, and start getting deals wrapped up. We need three in, two in midfield, and, a, and one in defence. We need those three in. If we could somehow get Caicedo, then him and Lavi is still what's needed. We still need one more after Caicedo. But, and I, and I would take just playing a back four for the season and, and not getting the, the lefty yeah. centre back in. But things need to start happening as of tomorrow, basically. Southampton and Palace. Let's get them a ring. Yeah. Um, it looks promising, doesn't it, on Lavia? I think, I think it, yeah. it seems as though it's the, op- it's the opposite of this Caicedo or the, the, the alleged opposite of this Caicedo situation where the player, well, pro- the player wants to come well. to us. Yeah. And, oh, yeah, uh, they've messed him around as well. They, their offer to him wasn't a real offer. They called yeah. Southampton and said, look, we'd be willing to pay 55. We'll do, you know, the majority of it and some add-ons. So that was sort of verbally agreed over the phone, but no bid has gone in. Yeah. No, no actual structure has been sent in. Lavia hasn't heard from Chelsea yeah. since that bid went in. He's just literally sat in a hotel in London, not knowing what's going on. Sounds like we've reopened it though, based on yeah. uh, some of the reports today. So yeah, just 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 get him in, I think, and then yeah, build from there as well. But yeah, guys, sorry, were you going to come to me for the? <laughs> I was just yeah. going to go plugs. Um, Dave, do you want to go first? Seeing as you were you speaking, any plugs from you? Oh, I've got yeah. Well, the usual daily red, two footed. Uh, there'll be articles all week on EPL index, and they'll probably look if we sign people, then I'll be on stuff for that as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And Harold Harry Seffi, what have you got yeah. going this week? I mean, yeah, I just, just wanted to give a couple of mentions, actually. I think, uh, like, like I said, I really enjoyed Peter Drury's debut. Uh, such a like, massively uh, refreshing change. This is off the pitch. Uncorpse-like commentary. Uncorpse-like commentary and genuine excitement uh, in moments of... Uh, of excitement, uh, and then uh, also just have to have to mention it because obviously the clips are all over all over Twitter, not not X. Uh, it's uh, just it's just sensational debut from from Sturridge uh, this this season. I think he's been absolutely yeah. absolutely incredible uh, uh, from from doing an impression of Roy Keane in front of Roy Keane to doing a stanky leg to describe how defenders defend against uh, tricky wingers. I mean, there's a uh, singing Usher, apparently. There's all, all, all sorts of nonsense that's going on. But, uh, Chess hair on shore, as, white, white jacket. Exactly. Fantastic. Jacket, <laughs> decked out. Uh, but also, like importantly, actually making... Yes, uh, like incisive points, asking direct questions, uh, like, like asking straight questions as well. I, th- I think he's, he's he's built for this. I really hope he's uh, a more uh, consistent theme um, uh, on that punditry team throughout the season because they they absolutely need someone like him. And then mm-hmm. just a couple of things. I mean, yeah, I think I think it's important to, to reference Virgil. Thought he's excellent today. Uh, they can really. I, I hope this captaincy relights that fire under him just to be. You know, like switched on from day one, and this is a, a great start. I thought it was really strong. Canate too, uh, in a real challenging position. McAllister as well. I think he like 
was was the top for a whole bunch of different metrics in terms of, sort of dribbles and uh, interceptions, things like that. So he's going to be a, a a real positive influence for us as well, as was uh, Sobosh Lion um, in moments. But did want to say, just I think you know Dave mentioned you know, looks as though a manager making a point about players he needs to get in with that lineup at times, and I think he was asked Klopp after the game to reflect on comments by. Pochettino that he wants more signings uh, and Klopp just script that that's what each Chelsea manager wants and they usually get it so again it's pretty explicit comments here I think about I think that people are under no, uh, no illusion we're, we're trying to get players we need to be quick about it and get things wrapped up just so we can actually focus on uh, the football uh, and not always off the pitch um, nonsense uh, about imminent imminent bids on the verge on the brink etc cetera, etc cetera. Um, and for me Guy there'll be uh, a rival recon ahead of the Bournemouth game uh, and also I think as, as Dave's saying if, if there's if there's signings within that time if, if if one Ecuadorian decides that he's he is going to move uh, to Merseyside uh, there'll be pods on that uh, and, and if uh, uh, one Belgian uh, player from uh, from Southampton makes a move in Lavia um There'll be some pods for me on uh, on that as well. So, yeah, hopefully, um, hopefully a busy week. Hopefully so. Hopefully so. Um, I just realised I will be on the Bournemouth podcast as well because just part time at Trev, isn't it? He's on holiday. That's how it is. Um, <laughs> but I, I think it's me and the scouted lads next weekend. But thank you everyone for listening. I know there was a couple of Discord gremlins at the start because I'm usually not on these podcasts, so people couldn't hear me for the first two minutes, five minutes. But hopefully that was sorted. Um, but thank you everyone for listening. Big thanks to everyone in Discord. See you next week. Goodbye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.